During play, you'll pick up large question boxes, which contains a weapon that unlocks. After each run of the game, you can upgrade your ship with a new weapon, as well as a new sub-weapon. Wait, wait a second. Large question boxes? You mean like Super Mario Brothers? Indeed, yes. Some contain coins, some contain fire flowers. There are some contain free falls, <laughs> uh, tanuki suits, camera suits. It's a me! I'll power it up! <laughs> The core cast. Welcome to Shoot the Corecast, the official companion podcast to the RF Generation Shmup Club. This is a family-friendly shmup-themed podcast that helps to put a little bump into your shmup grind. I am Addicted, also known as Addicted to Shmups, and with me I have... Metal Fro, also known as the Game Boy Guru. I'll call you, start calling you the Fantasy Zone Guru after your stream last night. Ha! <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. Would you like to go ahead and talk a little bit about the RF Generation database? Yeah, RF Generation is the website we are affiliated with. That is where we host our Shmup Club, where you can join in playing the different Shmup Game of the Month, uh, which is how we generate the ideas and content for this podcast. Uh, there's also the standard community playthrough that's hosted by Single Banana and Grey Ghost 81, where they pick a different game every month in like fashion. And we have a huge database of games where you can catalog your game collection, create wish lists, and uh, set up a for sale or for trade list. We have great forums where you can come and discuss different topics with us. Um, we've had an NES challenge going on last year and this year where people from ARF Generation are trying to all team up together and beat the entire licensed North American NES library. And we've got... Uh, member doing kind of top 20 lists of the different consoles and so lots of cool stuff going on plus great articles on the front page uh i just submitted mine so hopefully that'll be posted on the front page soon and um a discord that's active we've got conversations going on there pretty much every day so come and check it out rfgeneration.com and it is all free you mentioned that we got all our ideas from RF Generation. I think we got them all from the Electric Underground. <laughs> uh, don't tell Mark. <laughs> all right. Okay, so I'd <clears throat> like to thank everybody who joined us for the month. <clears throat> and this month's game, and the game is Steel Vampire. Yeah, that's what we played during the month of April. It is a Dojin release. And yes. As we'll talk about a surprisingly good one. Yeah. Yeah, before we get that, uh, I want to make sure that we touch on the uh, question of the month that uh, I asked, that I I posed. Uh, so, as I always say, we totally copied this from the uh, RF Generation Playcast. Uh, oh, so, thank you, guys. Cast. The concert cast, yes. So... Uh, uh, as the saying goes, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. So uh, we are flattering you guys every month. 
but the question is, that I asked on Twitter is, what type or subgenre of shooting games do you feel needs to make a comeback, and why? Uh, and we had some good responses on this one. So, at ATG213 on Twitter says, the Cabal slash Wild Guns slash Sin and Punishment type. Unique and fun mechanics. And, uh, yeah, you know, that kind of, uh, I don't know if you'd call that a gallery shooter, where you have a character that you can move around screen and shoot different enemies and targets and things like that, but I love those games. I played a ton of Cabal growing up, both at on the NES and in the arcades. Um, I never, I never saw Wild Guns, and uh, haven't played that one yet. But uh, Sin and Punishment Two on the Wii is an amazing game, and one that uh, is, in my opinion, top twenty-five all-time Wii games, and something that. Uh, if you're a shmup fan and you kind of like rail shooters or stuff like that, you need to own. So, yeah, I can I can get on board with that. Yeah, there's a third one too, isn't it? Like Bloody Gulch or something. It only came out in the arcades. Hmm. I don't know about that one. No, it's definitely a western themed one that came out in the arcades. I'm sure that someone's going to go, "Why didn't you talk about this as we're on here?" But oh. there, there's definitely a third one that came out in the arcade. There's Cabal. Oh, and then there was a sequel to it. But yeah, Wild Guns is a perfect example of it as well, and Wild Guns Reloaded, which uh, I would love to get to someday soon. Yeah. So, next one is from at God Slime Smile, Guardian Legend Series slash Sigma Star Saga, games with an RPG slash dungeon-style overworld that turns shmup for battles or missions. A game like this... Made by today's, excuse me, by today's developers would be great. I really enjoyed Sigma Star Saga, and maybe we can fit that in as part of a guide-in episode. The Guardian Legend is also great. I, I think these type of hybrids are neat. I would expect maybe an, an indie game to ape this style. Hopefully, we do see something along these lines coming soon. To something to the eShop would be nice especially with the Switch's built-in audience. Yeah, I know there's some there's some uh, doujin and indie developers who are doing something like this or doing things where they're crossing over genres and stuff. Um, I actually back to the game Orange Island on Kickstarter, which is going to be released digitally on multiple platforms, but is actually going to be a physical cartridge release on the NES. And that's sort of an action platformer with i think light rpg elements but it's also going to have some shmup stages as part of the game um so i'm looking forward to that and yeah i would i would agree i think hybrids are a cool idea um sigma star saga is one that i need to to track down a copy for i know we've got at least one r of gen member who's been asking about that game so um we might have to we might have to check that one out the other thing that i can think of uh there aside from a, but you were talking about um, orange and you were thought it got me thinking about other things on there I, I was thinking of uh, Monster World Wonder Boy and Monster World having shmup elements on there oh sure or, or like a, a hybrid game even on the you know another one on the NES like Air Fortress where yes. the intro to each level is essentially a shmup and then when you get in 
to the bases, it sort of turns into sort of a half shmup, half Metroid type of experience, you know? Yeah, that, that's another one of those games that I don't think too many people have played there, and it's really interesting. If You, you can probably find it pretty cheaply for a card, or give it a try on your Mr. or NES Classic. Definitely yeah. a good game. Yeah, it's it's a solid game. It was it was made by Hal. So, at uh, O Five Pro says timed score attacks like Macross Two Arcade. Short, not insanely difficult, but some, tons of secrets to come back to. Uh, yeah, score attacks. I mean, more and more games these days are including score attack modes of some kind, and so I I would love to see that kind of caravan style shooters come back i mean i always enjoyed the the games where i won't say it's sort of like the opposite of today where today it's all bullets it seems like with don maku games but in those days yeah big juicy bullets uh but but back in the in the 80s and early 90s when there was a lot of the caravan shooting competitions and, and score attack modes and stuff going on you had the star soldier series and all these games where there was just a ton of stuff to shoot on screen. And that was one of the things we talked about with blazing lasers is I think it was stage three, uh, stage three or four. I don't remember which, uh, the one with the sort of spider boss at the end, but there are tons of these little tiles on the ground that you can shoot, uh, on your way through the stage. And each one of them gives you points. And so if you can, if you can set your weapons correctly, or you can kind of, route your way through the stage and maximize your ability to, to shoot down these kinds of targets. It really gives you that incentive to keep trying and trying and trying a level like that so that you can keep uh, getting a better score. Uh, so yeah, I would love to see more stuff like that. Yeah. I, I think that routing is probably the evolution of a caravan in some respects, but I agree. I think that just a straight-up caravan mode would be great. I recently tried uh, Flight of the Pigaris, mm. and that was a lot of fun. So, you know, look forward to that. We might be uh, looking to include that sometime this year or early next year. Cool. All right. <clears throat> so, our next one is from Arsini4, and responding to God Slime Smile. There is a guy working on Steel Seraph, kind of similar to Guardian Legend, and isn't directly inspired by it, but he needs feedback from people or something like that. He makes, like, every possible mistake a first-time developer makes. <clears throat> you know, mistakes are good as, as long as you can learn from them and, <laughs> and, and try not to repeat the same mistakes. And I, at least that's my philosophy. I, I've, it's okay to be making mistakes on there. That's, that's why everyone is... Those so you look at uh, Steel Seraph Two will be a great title because it'll get everything fixed from the first game. <laughs> there you go. Uh, at Retrocade underscore Media says light gun shooters. I want someone to come up with some kind of solution that works well and takes advantage of like a laptop camera for tracking. And yeah, light gun shooters. I mean. We had a lot of that on the Wii because of how easy it was to translate that experience with the uh, sensor bar and, you know, the tracking with the Wiimote. Uh, so you had 
House of the Dead 2 and 3 Return and House of the Dead Overkill and, um, you know, everything from cheap stuff like Attack of the Movies 3D or the, what is it, the Mad Dog McCree Gunslinger Pack. And then you had arcade conversions like Ghost Squad uh, and then the double pack of L.A. Machine Guns and, um, what is it, New York, uh, some something New York or New York something or other. Gunblade yeah, New, New York. York. I think it's Gunblade um, New York. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, or, you know, or more original stuff like like Sin and Punishment Two, and um, Dead Space Extraction and things like that. And so, a lot of that stuff. And I mean, some of that carried over to the the PlayStation Three and the Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty. I mean, with the PlayStation Move, you had games that were capable of doing some of that with the PlayStation Move, like Killzone Three or. Um, Heavy Fire Afghanistan or House of the Dead Overkill was on PS3 as well. You know, some stuff like that. Time Crisis. Time Crisis. Time yeah. Crisis is the one, mm-hmm. not four, but the time, the time Crisis, the one that comes with the um, the Pirates one on board. I forget the name of the actual, but it's like a Time Crisis. Oh. It comes with Time Crisis 4 in the collection, but then it comes with the rest of them. And you can use, use either the Gun Con or you can use the, the move? Uh, PlayStation Move on there. That is fantastic for doing that type of stuff. But where you're going to see a lot of the innovation in this has to be VR, right? Mm, yeah. That's where you're going to see a lot of light gun shooters. And if you think, I mean, even something like uh, Project uh, Project Alex, even though mm. it is very well done and has a lot more interactive elements on there, you if VR in its current state is almost tailor-made for light gun shooters. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't wait to see more of the stuff that comes up with that technology. Now, granted, it's probably going to be one player only, at least until the technology grows, but still, that's where I see it going. How about you? Yeah, I I would like to see more of this as well, because I like that style of game. It's very pick-up-and-play. It's... Uh, you know, something I can come home from work on a on an evening, and if I'm not hungry enough to to eat right away, fire up the TV and you know squeeze off a few rounds, so to speak. Uh, I mean, you know, that got me thinking that uh, that compilation that you mentioned with uh, Time Crisis and that pirate game. I can't remember what the name of it is right off the top of my head, but I know I've played it in the arcade and it's fun. So I'm gonna have to look that one up. But um, yeah, I would like to see more stuff like that. So yeah, definitely bring it on. And I mean, I know it's possible on something like the Wii or not the Wii, the uh, Switch, um, because of the the tracking and the motion that you can do with the Joy-Con or uh, Pro controllers and things like that. And so yeah, I I would love to see more of that. It's called Time Crisis: Raising Storm. Is the collection? Ah, uh, yes. It's a Namco shooting collection, and it's, I mean, Amazon price is always ridiculous, but looking on Amazon, you can buy used for seventy eight ninety five, which seems incredibly overpriced, but that's just me. Oh, sure. I, I think it's just a sign of the times, or I think I spent $7 at GameStop on it, but if you can find it cheap enough, it's definitely a lot of fun to play Time Crisis Raising Storm. You can just use the, the move controllers for it. And it comes with Dead Storm Pirates, which yes. is a lot of fun. Dead Storm Pirates, that's one. I've played that in at least two or three different arcades. It's fun. 
Next one comes from us from at John PV. I don't know if this exactly counts as a type, but I miss the late 80s, early 90s style shmups like their early riding games. Stuff like Shenru, Viper Phase 1, etc. I don't know if it counts as a specific subgenre, but I dig that feeling could use more. I definitely love this type of area. That's why I, I really liked Gridstormer. And it, it feels at that tipping point, as we talked about, where we've got uh, Batsugan, where it went more the Damaku style. But this feels like it could have been on the cusp of another evolutionary branch of uh, STGs. Yeah, I, John, you are preaching to the choir, brother. I I absolutely love Viper Phase One. Uh, I've always enjoyed riding one and two. Shienry uh, is a great game. Um, I mean, when I bought the the budget version that we got in in the U.S. on PlayStation Gekio Shooting King. I played a ton of that when I when I picked that one up, and <clears throat> I love that. Yeah, that late '80s, early '90s. It's sort of when when the shmup formula that had been developed during the '80s and came out of games like Zevius and 1942, 1943, uh, and games of that type, and then the early Toaplan stuff like. Twin Cobra, Tiger Heli, and Daisenpu, and stuff like that. That's kind of around that time when that formula in in that incarnation, before it started to branch out into the manic shooters, more of the Psycho style, or the sort of Batsugan and Donpachi kind of pre-Danmaku kind of thing. But when that initial wave of shoot 'em ups had kind of reached what I would consider to be a bit of a peak in terms of just the design quality and just how solid and playable they are. They're no they're no frills, they're not super fancy, you know, they don't have super complex scoring systems or anything. It's just solid gameplay that you can drop a few quarters in or, you know, pick up a controller and just bang away at it for you know, 10 minutes or two hours, whatever, whatever you want to do. And yeah, I love stuff like that. So I know people like yeah, to, it, like to, um, to poo poo it, but I mean, riding five, yeah, it's more complex, but it's a descendant of that style. And so if you like that style, definitely still riding three, four and five, you know, games like that, or like super Hydora is another one that kind of takes from that, mm-hmm. You know, the well, it takes heavily from both Gradius and Darius, but I mean, that kind of classic style, or even newer games like uh, Battlecrust, or oh, what's the other one that just got just got uh, Infinos uh, Gaiden, which of course there's an Infinos version that's going to be coming out on the uh, EXA arcade platform. Uh, and so, games like that, yeah, I I love that stuff, and I would definitely love to see more of it. You, for, you forgot the infamous title, which has sort of been lost lost in translation or in, lost a publisher on their uh, Devil Engine. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Devil Engine is another modern example of a game that uh, people, I think, could could see that game and think of it as bullet hell if they were less familiar with shoot-em-ups in the modern context. Um, yeah. 
you know, but yeah, I mean, that definitely qualifies as a more of an old school <clears throat> type of game. Yeah, I, so. I, you know, I may date myself a little bit here, but I, I think of that era of STGs as STG comfort food. It's sort, Or if you put it in movie terms, I guess you could put it as sort of the uh, the bro flicks that you saw of the mid-80s, you know, like Commando, uh, Rambo 2, Rambo 3. You have all these very macho-style films that you just, the plot is second nature on there. You just play and enjoy the experience of it. You're not, just like you're not trying for routing on there. On there. I mean, you could be trying for high score, but... You, it doesn't have it forgoes the complexities and you just focus purely on gameplay yeah yeah absolutely and uh our next person here uh at the manch dynasty in response to john said you mean straight up shooty games without sophisticated rank or combo mechanics and uh he, he mentions love viper phase one ost by the way and yes i'm with you all the way on that i love that soundtrack and uh Somebody needs to, Moss needs to, you know, bring us a Viper Phase 1 port to console at some point, please. <laughs> I just want to quickly add in here that the name of the name of the game that I couldn't remember earlier that was a uh, pseudo-sequel to Cabal is called Blood Brothers. Oh. And that was released a year later. So definitely, if you have meme, check it out, and hopefully it will be one day coming to Mister. Nice. All right. Our next comment comes to us from Sarah Thumbs. A twin stick shooter to rival Geometry Wars. Not a single game has even come close to the quality of Geometry Wars. I have to say, I really like Geometry Wars, but a game, at least personally for me, has that has come close, and it's not even with its own... It's more of a modern take on this, would be Renegade Ops. We haven't played. It should be pretty cheap on Steam. It's a twin stick shooter with military vehicles, and if you get the Steam, you can get on Xbox 360, I believe. But if you get the Steam version, you can get a special Gordon Freeman vehicle and character <laughs> in there. But but it's a it's a twin stick shooter where you're just going going around and destroying stuff. All, sort of like all a commando type stuff, and it's. Probably one of the more surprisingly fun games I played, and it's usually on sale for very cheap. It's not something that's going to rival Geometry Wars, because that that game just I means the simplicity, and you've got everything going. The closest thing I found to Geometry Wars in there is that Space Ray Manta, which the psychedelic colors just really get to my eyes and cause me a headache pretty quickly. There, Virtual Boy Syndrome. <laughs> huh. But yeah. It, yeah, go ahead. I don't remember the name of the game, but there was one that Sarah reviewed on Bullet Heaven within the last year, year and a half or so, uh, that he liked quite a bit and said it was kind of a, a good successor to Geometry Wars. So I'll have to look that up again. I don't, I like I said, I don't remember the name, but but uh, check check out Bullet Heaven's YouTube channel um, over the last year or so, and and uh, that'll probably pop up in their feed. One of the things about Geometrors I wanted to cover, I know that Geometrors Galaxy out there for the Wii and for <laughs> the original one that came to live, and then there's one that's on uh, Project Gotham Racing 4, I believe. Hmm. But but the, we, the Geometry Wars 3000, or is it 4000? It's one of those that 
is very cheap so it might be something that we'd look to cover here oh yeah and i got uh, for the x1 and the ps4 geometry wars what is it dimensions i think on ps4 and i bought that dirt cheap so oh, there we go all right so at collector cast uh our friend duke togo from uh RF Generation, and uh, make sure to check out the Collector Cast podcast. Uh, he says, straightforward shooters that are screen, that are, I think he, he, that he clarified, that are not screen-filling monstrosities. I've seen enough stars and bullet swarms to last me a while. Uh, and I know he, he mentions this uh, frequently, because uh, he comes and watches my streams uh, pretty frequently, and he said that that uh, <clears throat> the Don Maku games are kind of fun to watch, just to see, you know, all the craziness and what's going on. But he does not enjoy playing them. Uh, I think his limit is kind of like the Psycho, where it's fast bullets, but there are not so many on screen that you have a hard time sort of making out what's going on. And I get that, you know, uh, they're not for everybody. And certainly they're not games that, that appeal to everybody. Um, so I, I understand where he's coming from. Yeah, I'm totally. I mean, it's... You don't just because you don't like one genre of shmups is not a you know you don't want to dismiss the entire genre altogether or one subgenre of shmups you don't want to dismiss the entire genre you got to find what you enjoy playing you know find try I know that he's definitely enjoying playing this month's game Fantasy Zone he says record this this is May. and that's that's definitely uh, sometimes I guess it can feel like it but. <laughs> Very few of it is is Don Mako. It's uh, nice to take a little bit of a different pace for in account for everyone's taste. Yeah, absolutely. All right. The next one is at SGP009, also known as Some Guy009. Tink schmups like Guardian Force, Granada, or Salt. We've had a lot in the air, but what about in the ground? Yeah, there's a what is it? Tank, tank three, it's sort oh, of that in that vein, right? An old SNK arcade yes. shmup or game. I'm trying to think of a. I don't think you can really call Battle Zone or Battle Zone something like that. But what 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 other ones can you throw on there? Granada X is definitely one of them. Yeah, I mean, similarly, you've got Metal Stoker on the PC Engine, which is a little bit like Granada, but it's a little less shmup-like than that. It's a little bit more, you know, run the tank around the screen, and sometimes there are mild puzzle elements to solve and things like that. It's a fun game, but um, there just haven't been that that many. I know Sarah reviewed one from, I think, from Astroport uh, last year or the year before, that um you know is sort of a run around the screen with your tank and and do upgrades and take out targets and things but yeah tank tank based scrolling shmups are are not common um you know there's a couple of other examples like tracks trax on the game boy that is kind of a uh a tank like shmup uh sort of game or I'm trying to think of another example that's like that or, you know, something like Vindicators maybe in the arcade, but yeah, there just aren't that many. So it would be kind of cool to see more examples of that where you have a ground-based tank or vehicle like that where you're not as fast and you have to maybe anticipate 
what's coming a little bit better or or maybe you know you you take more than one hit so you have to sort of strategize of when it's worth the risk to get out in front and take some damage when you know you can take down a big target or something like that you know that i think there's definitely room to explore that a little bit more um and uh quick shout out to some guy 009 he's been putting out uh he's been doing a lot of work on some game design and he's been designing games so check him out on twitter at sgp009 um he's got a another account i think that he did for his uh his game studio that he's kind of doing but uh some pretty cool stuff and and some really good looking uh uh fun looking little shmups that he's been designing so check those out including including at least one that is sort of a tank based game like what he's talking about here you know what I would love to just put in there just to so I could have an excuse to play it again? <laughs> Say it was a tank shmup as Metal Slug. Mm, right. <laughs> I, would, I just put there, yeah, it's got the tank in there. It'll work. <laughs> but I, I am definitely would be pulling for that as a shmup adjacent sometime soon. Sure. All right. Our next one comes to us from at Easy Racer. Had exactly the same idea as Collector Cast, just wasn't sure how to word it. Again, it's Don Maku games aren't for everyone. They're more like a choir taste, and I think they, it's probably the the genre that most intimidates people and is the hardest to get into. I'm still not sure if Toho is the gateway drug, like Mark seems to proclaim. There or how we get other people into it. I was thinking maybe Futari might be a little bit better at getting people into it. Aesthetics aside. But, I don't know. We'll have to say, what's your idea on this? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm i kind of in in between. Because there seems to be, there seems to be two different camps in, in uh, Shmup World. Or maybe three different camps. But I'll say the two different camps if you want to overgeneralize, would be the Don Maku camp and then the classic shmup camp. You know, there are people that cling to Cave and to Toho and to, you know, the newer Dojin games that are Don Maku style, like Rolling Gunner and Crimson Clover and Blue Revolver uh, and that sort of thing where, where they take that Don Maku style and they really go for it. Uh, and then there are people like collector cast who are not into that style and they much prefer older shoot 'em ups that are more kind of twitch reflex games, you know, stuff like Raiden or UN squadron or that kind of a thing. And, you know, total plan style games and that, that sort of, uh, uh, that sort of scene. And so, yeah, I, to, to really overgeneralize, that seems to be the two major camps within the shmup world. Uh, I do think there's ability to cross over. I mean, I was not big on the Don Maku uh, games until the last few years when I started to play them a little bit more. I started to understand them a little bit more and understand the appeal of kind of digging in and learning the game and sort of getting getting used to the mechanics and then working on perfecting those things. And uh, I always I always thought of shmups 
as a very pick-up-and-play genre. And I, I think at its core, it still is. Because anybody can can run to an arcade and drop a quarter into a shmup and, you know, get five minutes or close to five minutes unless you're completely terrible. Um, but if you have moderate reflexes and you can see what's going on with some bullets and so forth, generally speaking, you can get a few, minute, a few minutes of enjoyment out of a, out of a credit in, uh, in a game like that. Um, but, but the real pleasure from the game from, for me comes from learning how to best that game. And so it's not about credit feeding through it and, oh, I spent five bucks and I beat this game. No, is can I survive long enough to get to the end of the game without having to spend five bucks on it? Now, I'm going to have to spend a lot more than five bucks to get to that point. But then when the day comes that I can walk into the arcade and stand in front of that machine for 30 minutes and in... 20 cents or, or, or you know, 25 cents or 50 cents or whatever the credit is worth uh, on that particular machine at that time and get through the whole thing and walk away with my name on the board, you know, that's, that's the thing. And so, yeah, I, <clears throat> I think with a lot of those older shmups, that progression through some of those games may have felt faster and more satisfying because, you know, they're, they're a little bit easier to learn, I think. At their at their core, than some of the Danmaku games that might have more complex routing involved, or more complex mechanics, or things that may take longer to digest. So I, I understand that. Yeah, I, I think that Danmaku games. I, 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 I my main takeaway is I don't want people to feel intimidated by them. If it's personal preference, I have nothing against it. I didn't want you to at least try something and see if it actually grows upon you because it wasn't something that was I was really into at first. But as I started to get more of an appreciation by playing a little bit more, and going, okay, I see what they're doing here. It really opened up for me. And so, again, I just want to say, if you tried it and you finally it's just not for you, that's great. If if you're just intimidated by it, there are certainly games you can try and see if it really is for you. Regardless of what it is, skill is skill, right? And you should you should be more proud that you, regardless of whether you're playing Don Mako or if you're playing a standard SDG, that your skill shows through and that you can put your name up on the board and you've mastered it. The one thing I do like about Don Mako games is it, it's sort of similar to playing pinball where I can sort of get lost in it and you just get into that zone. For me... With the standard STG, it's a lot more about memorization of enemy placement. Like, okay, I need to do this, 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 and this. And I get that same way with Damaku too. But with Damaku games, I get get it sort of, can sort of get into a zone where I sort of just get lost into the game. Hmm. Interesting. It's a, it's a little bit hard to describe, but but it I don't know. They, they just pull me pull me in a little bit more with way that's going that's and that's just me personally speaking play sure. whatever play in with whatever speaks to you because they're games and they're meant to be enjoyed just don't put yourself out of opportunities by saying that you can't do something absolutely 
And our final uh, entry here comes from uh, Zoido, who's one of our frequent participants. He says, caravan shooters like the Soldier series or Rekka. So you heard it here first, folks. Our audience, or at least a segment of our audience, wants caravan shooters and score attacks back. So developers, make it happen. (laughs) Well, Crimson Clover has that. Absolutely. And so does the game that we're talking about today. It does. And what game was that again? That is Steel Vampire. Oh, I thought it was Potato Vampire. All right, go ahead. (laughs) All righty. So, Steel Vampire was created by Japanese doujin developer Akira Goya and was known as Metal Mosquito or Vampire of Steel. Uh, It was released in 2017 and was available for download as well as being promoted at Comicet 93. Uh, Akira Goya has actually been developing doujin titles since the 1990s and initially released several games on the uh, Sharp X68000 computer platform. Um, His final X68000 release, Death Ephemera, is a horizontal scrolling shooter with sort of an R-type-like companion. Uh, Sort of this weird green dragon alien demon thing or whatever that you kind of send out like you would with the force pod and then it targets an enemy and it will sort of stomp on it and damage it until it's uh until it's dead but it's it definitely has a lot in common with 90s arcade shooters and uh i would say some influences from the then burgeoning don maku scene because of uh some of the bullet patterns and spreads that are kind of starting to emerge in the game the way you described the force pod you made it sound like you're sending out the hulk hulk smash <laughs> force pod smash <laughs> akira goya's game art is heavily inspired by that of german artist hr giger with a heavy emphasis on dark imagery and body horror and the majority of akira goya's games are shooters and most of those are of the Eroge style, meaning they are um, they combine body horror with anime style characters and nudity. Uh, so unlike this podcast, most of Akira Goya's games are not what I would consider to be family friendly. Oh, did they come on the PCFX? <laughs> not that I know of, but uh, they would have been in good company. Steel Vampire is actually the second in what appears to be a loosely connected trilogy of games. The first was released in 2013, and I was not able to find a name for the game. I did not see a reference to it on his website, only in the video trailer for the third game, which is apparently known as Archetype or The End Archetype, depending on which version of uh, the translation uh, is correct. But apparently it's been in development for a while, and based on the screenshots and then the video trailer that was released uh, toward the end of last year, uh, game appears to be close to completion. So um, we'll have to see how that turns out, but that actually looks like it might be pretty good. Uh, And then only only one other Akira Goya game has made it to the West in an official release, uh, the shoot-em-up Maidens of a Hollow Dream which is not as overtly adult as most of his other games, but still leans in that direction. Uh, and so as such, I, I'm i guessing we're probably not going to cover that on the podcast. 
other than to, you know, maybe mention it in an episode here or there. Uh, it was Henteko Dojin was the publisher who actually brought the game over to Steam, and they have uh, done they've done publishing for several other Dojin games, including some shooters from Astroport, the Dojin shmup Graze Counter, and more recently, or most recently, the rather esoteric Japanese shmup Hellsinker. Would you like to regale us with the story? All right, let's get through this text, Maxim. All right. So, 500 years have passed. Excuse me, 500 years had passed since the last war. Humanity succeeded in eliminating all forms of war, disease, and poverty, bringing about an era of perpetual peace. Well, however, calamity soon struck. There were a sudden arrival of flying objects known as steel vampires threaten the eternity of mankind's existence. On the brink of extinction, the fate of mankind has been left to just a single person, a man deemed far too dangerous for, to the sustainment of humanity's serenity. He was cryogenically frozen, his existence nearly erased from history. His name is Yoshino Sakamaja. Well, that's unterrible <laughs> <laughs> for butchering that. But this is just like well, it's like it's a cross between in a world, and then of a uh, um, <clears throat> from uh, it's like Einhander had a uh, movie trailer or something on there. Yeah, you know? yeah, oh, boy. Yeah, and and this is the this is the story synopsis that I found on the web. If you actually look in the in the menu of the game, it goes into a little bit more detail, and it talks about humanity almost going extinct to where there was only something like a hundred and eighteen or a hundred and eighty eight thousand people left, and it, it it just gets a little bit ridiculous. But I love. It, like with most of these shmup plots, I just love how how you know the society is always on the brink of extinction, or it's always uh, you know one w one craft that can take on the enemy and win the war. You know that sort of um, one one of my favorite Trump. lines from uh, yeah one of my favorite uh, lines from the 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 last Starfighter movie uh, is you know the the pilot from the, the Gunstar, Grig, he said, I always wanted to fight a desperate battle against incredible odds, you know, and it's, it's that kind of setup in almost all these games, but I just love how, how over the top it all is. Yeah, it, it definitely, the story goes full shmup and then never looks back. Exactly. And I, I love how one of the, if you read the full story, it's, this is the only man ever to ascend Everest or summit Everest without oxygen, and like, yeah. <laughs> <what>? <laughs> yes, he just used helium the entire time, and they gave him the wrong thing, and just ran with it. So it's just am amazingly great. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of amazingly great, let's talk about the gameplay. Yeah. All right. So Steel Vampire has a simple two-button system. Button one fires your primary and secondary weapons. Each button press will send down an extended volley. But there's no inherent auto-fire, so you'll need to continually press the fire button to keep your craft firing. And boy, will you be pressing that fire button. <laughs> uh, I, I think I probably got close to breaking my controller by the end of this month, huh. pressing it so many times. <clears throat> press and hold the fire button will activate your ship's focus shot mode. 
which activates your sub-weapon and slows the speed of your ship considerably, same as you get in most cave-style Dramaku games. Button 2 will activate the Voburn, which is the name of your ship's bomb, and looks like it was sprite ripped directly out of Tatsujin. Yeah, it definitely uh, it definitely has that Tatsujin or Tatsujin 2, you know, Truxton bomb kind of look to it. So I would say more than a little bit inspired by that, if not if not completely aping it. Now make sure only to not to say that name anymore. You're going to summon Mark from the Intergalactic Space Game Show. Or should say <laughs> Intergalactic Space Arcade. Arcade, yeah. yes. <laughs> we can't say, can't say that. Say it three times, boy, then you're in trouble. Yeah. I just wish I could say Truxton with as much, uh, as much command as he has. Oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, so the game initially starts with two modes, tutorial and very hard. Tutorial is just that. It's a quick walkthrough of how to play the game and an explanation of the mechanics. Very hard is where the game starts and presents you with an initial ship with default weapons and configuration. As you play the game and progress through the levels, you'll have the opportunity to start new runs at the furthest checkpoint you've reached to help you learn and practice those areas. Rather than a traditional life system, your ship has a shield that can initially take three hits. As you play the game, you can earn additional shield hits up to a maximum of eight. After you take damage, your shield will slowly regenerate, and there are upgrades to help your shield regenerate faster. One of the great things about this game is it really balances the risk-reward. As we talked about, you can start on where you left off on, but you won't get as good of weapons. Here and each time that you do a run, you end up with a set of weapons that you can either scrap and get material for upgrades, or you can keep and use for extra firepower. So there's a, each run that you go through. You know, in some ways, it's a little bit like a like an endless runner type. But each way, each way you get something that you're all that's going to help you in the next run. So I like how you're always getting better. And if you start from stage one versus stage four, wherever you ended up at, you get better stuff or better weapons. I think that was a really smart decision and something that I hope to see in future games. Did you like that element as well, Fro? Yeah. I, one of the things I liked about it, yeah, you can start at a later level to kind of practice that area. But by by encouraging you to start at the beginning of the game again, uh, it really is kind of uh, putting you in a situation where since you'll be starting at the first level again, you can really become comfortable with the game's the game's rank mechanic, which we'll talk about later. Uh, and then, you know, just just sort of get get to know the game and how it plays better every time uh, until you really get a flow. So, yeah, I appreciated that. One thing of note here is regarding your ship taking damage, you don't actually get hurt by running to enemies. The only way to take damage in the game is by taking direct hits from enemy fire to your ship's hitbox or by getting caught behind a wall in a couple areas later in the game. I believe that starts on stage four. Yeah, I think it's stage four. Stage five is where it really lights up. Yeah, stage five is where you start getting the the really fast movement, but stage four is where you start trying to box you in. Yeah, so you can you can run up to the f- top of the screen, 
and just bump right into enemies uh, and sometimes either knock them out of the way a little bit or kind of bump past them so that if they're set to kind of fire downward at you or what have you, then you're out of the line of fire. Um, so definitely uh, some strategic ways that you can that you can take advantage of that uh, capability of not taking damage from coming into contact with enemies, which is pretty unusual for a shoot 'em up and definitely sets this game apart in that regard. Yeah, and it's very interesting how this game sort of walked the the line. I, I would call it in some ways like a Damaku light. There really wasn't a lot of bullets that you had to avoid, but it was extremely fast-paced. The closest example I can come up with is people who have played Ketsui before. You're going to be doing a lot of point-blank shooting and trying to get rid of it as much as possible. So you're going to try and control the upper area of space for where you're at. But the, the enemies fire in more traditional patterns. It's not like a spread of bullets. It's more like a quick volley on there. And the quicker you can take them out, the better. So you're constantly... Instead of like locking on or doing a focus shot, you're constantly pressing the, the A button to get up there and just destroy as much. And it, it's very rewarding for aggressive play, just like Katsui is, but without some of the more complex scoring mechanics. Yeah, it's like take the point blanking of Katsui and mix that with the more manic, hectic style, fast paced of something like a Psycho or, say, a Batsugan. And make it really crazy and fast-paced, but without taking damage by running into enemies. Uh, And so, hilarity ensues. (laughs) (laughs) Shmup bumper cars. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's really refreshing to say, I mean, it sort of makes its own way in there, and something that I have... And it's not really readily apparent, too, from your scene, because you see it and go, oh, it's just another shmup, until you start playing and it really starts to grow on you. But we'll get to opinions later. Let's start talking about the pickups here. Yeah. So there are several types of pickups in the game. During play, you'll pick up large question boxes, which contains a weapon that unlocks. After each run of the game, you can upgrade your ship with a new weapon, as well as a new sub-weapon. Wait, wait a second. Large question boxes? You mean like Super Mario Brothers? Indeed, yes. Some contain coins, some contain fire flowers. There are some contain free falls, <laughs> uh, tanuki suits, camera suits. It's a me! A power up! <laughs> it's a dojin title. Anything goes. No. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, yeah, it's just like it's a mystery weapon pickup on there. You know. If this if this were an EA game, it would be, you know, a DLC. What do they call them now? It's a surprise mechanic. Yeah. <laughs> it's a surprise mechanic without you having to spend your E-Bucks or V-Bucks on it. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I really enjoy it. I mean, it tells you what it is as soon as you pick it up. And it's just like the level and what type of weapon it is. <clears throat> right. But it's, all, it's always neat to see that. I, I guess it. Um, what we, you get, it's like exploding pinatas, and you get shmup candy from them or weapon candy. <laughs> there you so, go. As you destroy enemies, you'll encounter red and green items known as combat logs. Each red combat log you pick up increases your rank by a factor of five. 
Each green combat log you collect will decrease your rank by a factor of 1. You can granularly manage your rank this way to increase the difficulty to get more score or lower the difficulty for the sake of survival. And I will say that by the time you get to, I'd say probably mid-30s, definitely by the time you hit mid-50s, the game gets really hard, so you want to manage your, your rank on there. I Some of the enemies would just... I was trying to milk um, at the Heaven's Gate boss, the one with the two dragons. Mm. <laughs> I was sitting there I'm like, okay, I'm just going to let my shield recover because the other guys on the right-hand side killed everything on the left. And the game, after about maybe a minute or so of my shield recharge, maybe it's 30 seconds, that just said nope and just started doing huge bullet spreads to get me to start moving again. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the interesting things about the game is that as your rank increases, the enemies become more aggressive and, you know, that's not unheard of, but then also their fire patterns become larger, faster, and they actually shoot much quicker when they come on screen in those situations. So yeah, managing your rank is, is really important in the game. And I like the fact that you can kind of do so very much on the fly uh, and it's obvious what you're doing because you have a rank yeah. counter that's in the corner of the screen. Yeah, it's nice to see that too. And there is, a, I mean, I, you saw it with stuff such as uh, Pink Sweets and with Moochie Moochie Pork on there, but it gives you a much better visual representation uh, of what you should be doing and a better feedback loop. I think it, it's definitely. I found it better implemented than within Moochie Moochie Pork or with in uh, Pink Sweets. Hmm. We also, uh, similar to what we would have within Stars or other pickups in this type of game, we have medals. So larger enemies will yield medals, which you can pick up for score. There are six different types of visual medals, and the sixth, the largest type, having multiple levels of score. Allowing metals to follow screen without collecting them will result in your metal chain dropping and your default metal level dropping down. How far it drops is tied to how many metals you let fall off the screen. <laughs> and the, met the metals are very apparent. I mean, they, they look like little small groupings of skulls, is the best I can come up with. Yeah, I was going to say that, you know, the first one starts off with this little, looks like a little shield or a little metal, and then that becomes a double, and then that becomes a larger gold one, and then it becomes a double gold, and then it becomes this sort of much more ornate gold, uh, larger shield thing, and then the, the sixth type is this large sort of emblem that looks like this skeleton with a big skull at the top and this gold trim, and it's very ornate and really cool looking and those are they're huge and so it makes them easier to collect which is nice easier to see during all the chaos uh and so it really it really helps you to kind of keep your metal chain a little bit easier even with as much going on on the screen most of the time if you're if you're dropping metals uh from these enemies then you're going to be able to see them as they fall down toward the bottom of the screen and hopefully pick them up, um, you know, so that you're not dropping your metal chain. Yeah, uh, you know, the last, uh, the biggest metal really reminded me of something from Warhammer 40k. Mm, sure. Destroying enemies will also yield two different types of colored chips. 
Blue chips are heart-shaped and will fill a little bit of your shield meter. Well, gold chips are tall and skinny and will fill a little bit of your Voburn meter. And your Voburn meter is the one that's symbolized by a what's it? It's symbolized. It's almost like a bullet. Yeah. And the bullet. It's basically your bomb. It's your bomb stock, right? So when you fire a bomb, you get. It's not quite as prevalent as in Grid Seeker, but it will allow you. You start off with three. And each time you use one of those, you, if you've grabbed the gold chips, it will start refilling it so you can bomb again. I found myself almost never bombing in the game unless my rank was high enough where it was reaching into like the somewhere between I'd say like the the late 40s and early 60s. At mm-hmm. which points I would almost have to bomb on the bosses. I wouldn't use it on any of the popcorn. Sure. But in order to get in order to get the boss down enough, you almost had to bomb once on the higher ranks. Oh yeah. So as we mentioned earlier, the key to getting more chips, just like in Katsui, is proximity. The closer you get to the enemies when you destroy them, the more chips you earn. As enemies come on screen, they will telegraph their attacks in some ways, such as a glow on a particular part of the body, indicating they're about to fire. As your rank increases, the telegraph will be much shorter, and the enemy attacks will become more fierce, and also harder to deal with. The game places a heavy emphasis on point-blanking enemies and fast kills, just like Ketsui. Also, the further you progress in the game, the faster the rank will increase on its own, regardless of the combat logs you collect along the way. And that's the other thing that you had to keep your eye on, too, is it counted the score at the end of a level. Your meter was always filling during that time for both your rank and for your shield energy. But the one for the shield energy moved probably about a quarter of the speed of the rank. So you'd almost move at about, I'd say you'd, by the time if you let the score tally up by itself in a stage, you probably would move up about half of the bar of rank during that time. Is it definitely move pretty quickly? Hmm. Yeah. As you play the game, you'll earn player rank, which accumulates from one run to another, and is earned by playing all modes. Over time, you can cash that into the rank in to purchase various support items to help give you a better chance at clearing the game. The support items are shield, purchase more shield support item to increase your ship's maximum shield capability, defensive barrier, increase the length of invincibility when damaged. By 0.5 seconds, or 0.5 seconds, and this can be increased further as you pr- purchase the upgrade more. Chip attraction expand item collectability range initially at 20%. Auto regeneration increase amount of auto regeneration, which is initially 20%. Chip regeneration increase heart item regeneration initially 20%, and engine increase min- movement speed initially by 10%. So out of all of these, I definitely went with the shield and auto regeneration most of the time. I did a little bit of the engine, but the default speed moved pretty well. What'd you stick with? Yeah, I kind of took a balanced approach. I I tried to do a little bit of of everything except for the engine, because uh, yeah, the default speed was good for me on on that in just very hard mode. But yeah, I tried to take a balanced approach. So I, I put a little towards shield, a little bit toward the defensive barrier, and then a little bit toward the regeneration and, and chip attraction. 
the one thing I'm not sure of, and, you know, because when you look at the game screen, it tells you, like for chip extraction, expand item collection range by 20%. I don't know if that's 20% based on where you're at when you're adding that item, and then when you buy another one, if it adds another 20% based on what your current range is, or if it's just adding another 20% based on what your initial deal is. I did not see anything that would indicate to me one or the other, but you know, it still makes a difference either way. I would have have to say the biggest, if you're trying to go through this, the biggest thing you can do is start from the beginning is by getting that, you'll end up getting the ships. And the, the other thing that I should notice too, is that they follow the color coding for the weapons that you get there. I ended up getting a purple uh, shot and that served me for quite a bit of the game until I finally did a one CC of very hard and then moved on to the next mode. Mm. Did you notice that as well? Different, uh, like you got some yellow ones on there, the, the color coding. Um, not so much the color coding, just that a lot of times I would get the same type of weapon multiple times, but as I progressed and, and played, you know, more and more runs, I would start to get better versions of the same weapons that either were more powerful and had a higher power rating or sometimes had a, a higher power rating than what I was using, but then would also offer either faster uh, Voburn regeneration or faster chip regeneration or, you know, sort of a percentage of increase to the number of chips that you'll get per kill, that kind of a thing. Okay. Uh, and so, you know, I might get five, you know, in the course of playing, like, say, eight or ten runs or whatever, I might get five of the same type of weapon, but then, you know, two of those are going to be low-level ones that I'll want to sell off and, and cash in, but then one of those might be better than what I'm already using, by a pretty good margin and then also give me a secondary benefit and so a lot of times i could quickly uh, ratchet my way up as i did more and more runs i would start to earn more and more powerful weapons always starting from stage one and so you just kind of keep adding and building upon what you have and increasing your ship's configuration and, and improving that enough so that as you go along you sort of become more more powerful, and so then the bosses are easier to defeat, yeah. or you know you can take them down faster and stuff because you just get more and more powerful weapons as you go along. But you didn't see any like uh, you didn't get any green weapons, and then you end up with yellow, and then it goes into purple, and you didn't see any of that stuff. Mm, I. I, I not specifically, but I didn't notice it. I guess. Okay. Uh, Fair enough. I was I was more focused on, you know, just the different weapon types. Okay. Yeah, I ended up getting a purple shot that, although it was a little bit lower level, the damage on it output was just incredible. I ended up using that for at least until I got to the second mode. So. Oh I was sure. Really, really surprised that it had that in there, but it was definitely a nice surprise. All right. Before you start a run and very hard, the uh, the option to change your primary weapon as well as your sub-weapon, which is in fact changing your focus shot. You can also augment your ship with the aforementioned support items. If you manage to reach the end of the game on very hard, you'll unlock Genocide Hard. This changes the core gameplay where you no longer have the default ship and get to choose your weapons 
and no, sorry, you no longer get to choose your weapons, but are presented with five pre-built configurations with different weapon loadouts and different attributes. The five ships are, and you'll have to correct me if you know the correct way to pronounce these, Anopheles, the game's default ship for a very hard and extra generous side modes. It's rated as three-fifths for speed, uh, five out of five for Volburn regeneration, and five out of five for shield regeneration. The ship's options try to keep up as you dart around the screen, although there's usually some lag time, but when you come to stop, they dock at your sides. I know this was a favorite ship of yours to use for your runs. Was this your favorite of all of them, or...? Uh, I think, generally speaking, it was, because it feels like the most balance. It has good speed, but it doesn't move around the screen so quickly that I can't keep up. And because of the high percentage of Vobern regen and shield regen, with how aggressively I play this game, it certainly made my attempts in this mode last longer than they may have otherwise. <laughs> okay. I, I could definitely see I was more drawn to our next ship, which is a Colex. And this ship looks in place similar to a cave ship with a light spread of its side cannons, forward fireballs, and its focus shot being very much inspired by Dodonpachi or DDP. It's rated a 2 out of 5 for speed, a 4 out of 5 for Vauburn regeneration, and a 4 out of 5 for shield regeneration. The ship's options follow your ship around similar to Gradius options allowing you to position them for a wider range of fire or targeted attacks. I, I Something just felt natural with the focus shot on this, just having this big laser that shoots everything. And sort of, you know, the Colex in some ways sort of feels like you're flying a big core <laughs> with the way it's shaped. So, I, I don't know, maybe just nostalgia goggles on, but it, this is the one that I use quite a bit. Yeah, I use this one a fair amount in... Uh in very or in uh, genocide hard as well and i feel like it's a good ship overall i just you know that slight little bit of extra extra speed with the anopheles and the um slight improvement in the regeneration you know i just favored that i guess fair enough all right our next ship is the aedes this red ship resembles the plane with options that behave similar to the Anopheles. It has a similar light spread for a side shot and forward firing bullets. And the focus shot is a volley of missiles that cause many versions of the Vauburn explosion. It's rated at 5 out of 5 for speed, 3 out of 5 for Vauburn regeneration, and 2 out of 5 for shield regeneration. This, to me, really reminded me of the Mosquito in Strikers 1945, too. Sounds like... <laughs> Live fast, but if you get shot or thing catches on fire, you're done. Yeah, this this one moved way too fast for me. I was darting all over the screen like mad, and I know there are some people that like to do that. You know, they'll go for four speed-ups in R-Type or four or five speed-ups in Gradius, and I just can't do that. I, Especially with the way that I was playing this game, you know, I, I really need a little bit better control over the ship. So for me, this one was fun to mess around with for a little bit, but I certainly was not going to be able to hold my own with it. I want to see somebody who can actually take all the power-ups and rock on 
and manage to maneuver that ship. I think that's that's just an impossibility on there. Maybe humanly impossible. Maybe require a tool assist run on there. And one day we'll we'll get to Kosogi and we'll get to rock on. <laughs> uh, and the next ship is the Manasonia. It's similar to the Naphtali's in appearance. Though blue, the ship has the same type of light spread gun on the sides and a pair of central forward firing missiles as the main shot, which causes many Voburn explosions on contact. The focus shot is is a widespread known as a ricochet shot and does just that, bouncing off walls and enemies. It's rated at 3 out of 5 for speed, 4 out of 5 for Voburn generation, and 4 out of 5 for shield regeneration. The options behave like the Anopheles. And I didn't use this one too much. It's just... Uh, it wasn't. It was sort of a neat curiosity for me. It wasn't really anything that I could see myself being a main or even a secondary ship. How about you? Yeah, I messed around with this one somewhat. Uh, the thing about the ricochet shot is that is really good for stage four and stage five in the game because of the fact that you're going through areas that has walls and platforms and things and, you know, mounted turrets and things, and then other enemies that kind of come in. And so that sort of ricocheting effect works really well because you're in much tighter quarters, and that way you're constantly throwing out stuff that's going to damage enemies. But up against bosses or or even groups of enemies sometimes, it's less effective. So it's very situational, and... So there are times when it works really well and other times when it doesn't. So I played around with this one in Genocide Hard, but ultimately I didn't stick with it. It reminds me much of my car. (laughs) Sometimes it works really well, sometimes it doesn't. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. So our last ship is the uh, Armageris, and this white ship has options that trail it like the Colex. And is the same light spread, excuse me, same light spread gun on each side, as well as a pair of forward firing lasers on the center. The focus shot is a series of six homing missiles throughout each side per volley, and it's rated a one out of a five on speed, two out of five for Voburn regeneration, and four out of five for shield regeneration. So this is effectively the heavy ship on there, and I had some fun just trying this out, but in practice it just doesn't work so well because the game is so fast paced. It does a great job of taking out popcorn, but when you get to the bosses on there, it sort of, it, it's a, sort of like it takes a while for it to rev up and start to be effective, and that's hard to do as you're darting around the screen dealing with bosses. With the popcorn, you can sit back there and basically auto-fire your way to victory. Yeah, and I, I, when I first saw this in the genocide hard mode, I thought, Ooh, a ship that's slower and might actually be easier for me to control. But by the time I unlocked this, because I unlocked it by getting a clear of the game, I had already become used to the frenetic pace and darting up to the front of the screen and, you know, jumping left and right, cutting back and forth quickly to take out different enemies. So this slower speed ship just didn't work for me. Now, I will say that it can be okay if you want to take on the bosses in a little bit more specific manner, because you can sort of pick them apart 
But you still have that buildup on it. What? Yeah, but I mean, like, bosses have their own... Uh, many right. of the bosses are seg- segmented, and so each of the different pieces will have its own uh, health meter. So if you're if you're good enough to where you can do that, since the ship's hitbox is small enough, you may be able to kind of weave in between some of the fire and use the ship's slower speed, slower default speed, as an advantage, rather than having to go into focus shot mode just to slow down and weave between some bullets or, or lasers or whatever, and as a way to more effectively pick apart the bosses so that you can maximize your score. But yeah, I, I just found that the default speed was a little bit too slow. You know, if it was a two out of five, maybe I would have been able to hang with that. But that one out of five, it, it felt sluggish compared to everything else. Definitely. So we you can unlock a... Another mode called Genocide Extra, which takes the difficulty of Genocide Hard and puts it back into the format style of Very Hard with one ship type and the upgrade system. This mode has five loops and gets progressively more difficult as you go along. And according to the World Ranking, which is the online leaderboard of the game, there's a mode known as MHN Hard as well. And I'm not quite sure to how to unlock that. Do you know? No, I I know I did not find out about that. I know that um, Zoido got further with the game than anybody else, um, and so I was hoping maybe he would have some insight into that. But no, other than seeing the rankings, I have not been able to find any information on the MHN hard or what that even means. Um, but um, it's all DLC. You buy the DLC to unlock it. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm sure it probably means that you get it for, by beating Genocide Extra on, you know, let's say you do four out of five loops, or maybe you, you do a full clear of it. I'm, something, I wouldn't put it past it to be the next level there. Yeah, that could be, but I can only imagine how insanely difficult that must be. I, there's, there's no way I would ever be able to do it. <laughs> never say never on there. Well, well, we'll put you up right up there with Gus. Huh. Right. All right. So speaking of being blown away, you want to talk to us about the graphics? Sure. Uh, the game is, is presented in a 16 by 9 widescreen aspect ratio, uh, but the actual play field is more like a standard 4 by 3 view. And then you've got on the left and right, instead of letterboxing, you've got uh, gauges and things to tell you what's going on so that you've got your rank meter that shows you uh, a little bar that is always creeping upward as your rank increases. It shows you the actual number of your rank. It shows you your your shield level and where you're at uh, as well as your Vauburn, uh so how much your bomb stock is. And then on the right hand side you've got your metal indicator on the bottom right that shows you which metal type that you, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, that you have coming up, or you know what's currently being spawned when you're killing the larger enemies, and then what the point value is for that, uh, the base point value is for that uh, as well. Now, we'll get into the scoring on that uh, a little bit later. Yeah, so it sounds like it's like right in five, but useful. <laughs> right. Uh, now the actual play field, though, even though it's a four by three view, it's wider than that. So. The screen kind of scrolls left and right as you move back and forth. Uh, and so it's probably, I would say, 60 to 70 percent 
wider than what you can actually see on screen at any given time. Uh, one of the chief complaints that people levy uh, or level against the game is that the view is very zoomed in. Your ship is huge, and uh, most of the enemies are quite large on the screen as well, as compared to a lot of other shoot 'em ups. Now, that's offset somewhat by the fact that enemies telegraph their attacks, and then, of course, as we mentioned before, you don't take damage by running into them. Um, and so. There's, there's some consideration for that as well, but it's still unusual. And, um, as I've read in, you know, different forums and different places on the internet, it still is off putting to some people. Uh, I would say, yeah, I understand that, but try to put that aside and at least give the game a chance, um, because of the other merits that we've discussed and we'll continue to discuss here. Yeah, and that was initially off-putting for me as well. As when I fired this up before the monthly playthrough, I was like, everything's zoomed in. It just doesn't seem that fun. It, it, it's something that you have to just sort of take a leap of faith and experience, and it, wor it works out surprisingly well once you give it a shot. Yeah. Now, the overall designs are less say, Giger-esque or H.R. Giger-inspired than a lot of Akiragoya's other games, but those influencers are still present, uh, and there's a lot of interesting sort of biotech kind of enemies and bosses, um, especially as you get further along in the game. Uh, the body horror that Akiragoya uses uh, shows up a little bit more toward the end of the game uh, in the last stage, like the, the final background uh, in the game is looks like tendons and things like that. Uh, and then the final boss is this sort of interesting skull skeleton sort of thing with turrets and, and cannons and things on it. Uh, and so some of the later enemies are kind of like these weird funky looking skeleton deals and, and like there are these giant exoskeletal type insect creatures that you can fight. And, of course, people were joking because a couple of them look sort of like wasps. And so there were hibachi jokes and, and dodonpachi jokes flying around in my stream. But for the most part, it's it's a lot of technology, you know, spaceships and tanks and, and things like that. And then as you progress through the game further, you get more into stuff that kind of gives off more of that biotech vibe that maybe lends itself a little bit more to the whole steel vampire name, you know, that the game has. Uh, but you know, the, the overall graphic design, I, I think is solid. It has a dark and gritty look to everything, but there's still colorful, you know, flourishes and, and things like that. Um, the combat logs have a nice sort of neon effect to them. And then the enemies, when you start to see the glow uh, as they're telegraphing their shots, or like a lot of the enemy fire is sort of this bright neon colors and things. And so it's a nice contrast between so the laser fire and things like that from enemies and the more dark and gritty kind of post-apocalyptic aesthetic that the game sort of presents. What What's your impression of the graphics? I like the graphics on there. They felt very dojin. I mean, some of the, the... I definitely like the bombs and the way that those looked. I'm always a fan of that type of and stuff. And they were not off-putting. Nothing seemed out of place. Uh, 
except for maybe the explosion. The explosions were a little bit on the weaker side, but that's a minor gripe. Right. I think that that overall it was very well done. It's the zoomed in look was another thing I just previously mentioned. We had a little bit of trouble getting used to. That was fine. The ships look great. And in fact, I think they were probably the different types of ships were the biggest bright spots of color in the entire game. It, right. It wasn't very. It's not a very dark style game on there, but Ketsui seems like a uh, almost akin to fantasy zone in comparison. Ketsui is a very bright military shooter. Well, this is extremely dark. It's. N and it's sort of funny, and the, the closest contrast I could think to with this is R-Type, which is also based on Giger art. But I think that R-Type is still more colorful than this game. Sure. Yeah, I would say you're probably right about but that. But I don't think that R-Type... But R-Type is probably a lot leans more towards the grotesque in body horror. De definitely more so than this game does. Yeah. Yeah, this, this definitely tones down a lot of those elements that... Uh, Akira Goye uses in most of his games. Still, it, it nothing felt out of place. Everything well, felt well done. Visually appealing, nothing visually distraction, which is nice. And the biggest thing that I you have to nail on this is when you're doing a very manic shooter like this, you can't have it where you go, where did I died from what? At no point in this in this game did I ever say to myself, I died because of a bullet I couldn't see or, or something dumb. None at all. I felt like all the deaths were my fault. Mm. And because of that, I think it, it, it absolutely nailed majority of the aesthetics. As I mentioned, the only thing that I was a little bit bummed about with, or underwhelmed about was the explosions. Makes sense. The thing that I will say that I... Thought the least amount of in this game had to be the sound. The, yeah, the, the, the sound repeats too often for it to be something that the tracks aren't terrible. It's just that it's nothing that I see myself looking outside of the game, and it, it's just the sound effects, especially the explosions, are something that feel very hollow. They don't feel like it's a a popcorn pop, but they feel very washed out and not something you get on there. It's funny. I, you know, as I'm saying all this, I remember what, what I originally jokingly called this game was Michael Bay simulator because all the explosions going off everywhere, <laughs> but, it, <laughs> but it's just the explosions themselves are probably the weakest point in the game. And they need tinker with the sound it added some more tracks on there it would have been nice to have something with a beat to get you going and that's where i think katsui really gets you pumping especially with like stage four really get that nice soundtrack and it's memorable and you just don't get it here and i understand if you do got one person work on it, it's hard to do and dojin games are notorious for having issues with sound and with and the explosions not quite being up to par, but that's this is where the game fell apart a little bit for me. Yeah, I mean, I felt like the sound the sound balance in the game was very off. Uh, the sound effects were way too loud most of the time, 
And even if you turn those way down so you can hear the music better, then the music is kind of, I don't know, it's disappointing. It's eclectic, but not necessarily in a good way. Uh, like stage one is upbeat, but then stage two is really funky and has this sort of slap bass effect. Uh, when, when I was streaming the game and getting into stage two frequently, you know, a couple of people were like, what is this Seinfeld? <laughs> because of that slap bass thing. Yeah. And then you get to stage four and it's this weird kind of like happy carnival music motif going on and it doesn't fit um so did, did, did the know, slap bass really theme make sense did the slap bass theme start giving you <laughs> flashbacks to the mosquito composer of ghostblade hd no it just sort of i don't know it just sort of threw me for a loop i mean i kind of yeah. i kind of dug the whole slap bass thing in that but at the same time i don't really know that it fit the game or that it fit the level I don't know that anything musically in the game necessarily fit the game, either the the intensity of the levels, the aesthetic of the levels, or the theme of the game, any of it. I'm not sure that any of it really fit. I don't know that any of it is objectively bad, necessarily. I just don't know that any of it really fits. And that's my biggest gripe. No, I... I definitely agree. It's let's say serviceable at best, right? So, and that is something that, yeah, it's disappointing. But don't let that dissuade you from actually trying the game. Because in the worst case scenario, you know what you could do with just like we did with old NES games or even Atari's twenty six hundred games. You turn off the sound, put on your own soundtrack, yeah, huh. or uh... play some Dio or something. Get you really going. Huh. Or, or listen to a previous episode of Shoot the Corecast. <laughs> Shameless self-promotion. No, no, we're not trying to get them to fall asleep. No, no, no. no. <laughs> you should get them hyped up to play the game. Uh, there you go. All right. Well, let's move on to scoring. Yeah. So, as previously mentioned, the game puts a heavy emphasis on point blanking. You'll score more points the closer you are to an enemy when taken out, and that also spawns more chips, which also boosts your score. Sustaining your metal chain is important, because the highest level metals are worth over 10,000 points at base value. As we previously mentioned, rank plays a major point in scoring. The higher you rank, the higher your score multiplier, which affects the values you get for enemy destruction, chips collected, and metals. The risk-reward factor for maintaining a high rank is much of the game's driving force. Bosses typically have segments that you can individually destroy, so picking them apart a little at a time is recommended for scoring, since you can earn medals by point blanking a boss segment when you destroy it. Each boss segment has its own life bar, so you can see how much damage they're taking compared to the boss's overall life bar. <clears throat> and that that's pretty neat, and something that I would think would be neat to see in a cave game or, or a future Damaku game. I, I like that little innovation. Right. In very hard and ex, extra genocide, since you can outfit your ship with more powerful weapons, you can actually diminish your scoring capability by picking weapons that decimate bosses faster 
before you can destroy their individual segments, or destroy enemies too quickly before they have opportunity to point blank them. Again, this plays in the game's high risk reward approach, and that's really the the uh, meat and potatoes or the potato vampire. There, it's definitely a balancing act on there, which really introduces you to experiment, which really introduces you to go through multiple playthroughs, which really does well to draw you into the game. Yeah, and one of the things that one of the things that I think is an interesting contrast is to me the boss fights in this game were a little bit less interesting overall than a lot of more modern shoot 'em ups because a lot of modern shoot 'em ups you're learning the different patterns and doing things and this game the patterns some of the bosses have various patterns you can learn you know, I kind of learned how to dodge through the attacks on the first stage end boss and, you know, kind of how to get through that, uh, what'd you call it, Heaven's Gate, I think, on stage two or, or three, whatever it was, with the two dragon heads and at the end of the level and, and that sort of thing. Stage, five, stage four or five or something, yeah. Yeah, but for the most part, I don't think the the boss's patterns are either really dense and difficult to dodge through. So you end up dropping a bomb or just taking some damage or they're just not as interesting. Uh, you know, so for me, I, I found myself using the sub weapon, the focus shot to super heavy damage the bosses right up front. Um, and then sometimes if I had the opportunity to, pick off one of the pieces to generate some metals or something like that. But then as the boss was down to almost no health, trying to find an opportunity where I could go up and point blanket at the end to generate some more metals and chips to sort of get my, get my little bit of a score boost there. But realistically, most of my scoring in the game came from the enemies. And I, that's probably a little bit of a missed opportunity. You know, if I was a little bit more, specific about my approach with the bosses i probably could have done more or done better in terms of scoring but the bosses themselves really felt more like obstacles than maybe than specific challenges that i wanted to tackle yeah i could see that and, I, and the fact that a couple of them repeat there just yeah sort of speaks in the maybe a little bit lack of originality within there the bosses were something that I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess when the popcorn, when dealing with the popcorn enemies is a lot of fun, you expect the bosses to be really well, and because of that, the bosses felt a little bit uninspiring, right? Or uninspired. I mean, some of the bosses had cool names like Annihilation Fish or Murder Tank or you know that kind of a thing, but. They didn't quite live up to the names. And so, yeah, to me, the bosses felt like a, I wouldn't say like an afterthought, but certainly maybe slightly undercooked. Whereas the levels was really where I felt like the meat of the game was and where I got the most, uh, the most enjoyment out of it. Yeah, I could, I could agree with that. <clears throat> there, I mean, how many times have we fought the Annihilation Fish that, I do have to say I did appreciate the callback to 
I'm sure it wasn't exactly for Gridseeker, but I did appreciate the canyon level later later on. Oh, yeah. But th there you fought the, I believe it was Annihilation Fish came back again, and you had to fight him again there. <clears throat> the, yeah, the bosses were, the bosses and maybe the sound are the two knocks I have against this. <clears throat> Overall, the game is still a worthy package, and if you can get it on sale for Steam, which it regularly goes pretty cheap, I'd say sub $10, it's worth investing time just to see if something like this is for you that <clears throat> is not quite a, a Damaku, but certainly has some of those elements, of, or a Katsui element where it rushes in. Because it really, I can't think of anything else that plays like this. Yeah, it really is pretty unique. And as you mentioned before, you know, it's kind of refreshing to be able to go in and just, just kind of go in and do the whole all guns blazing thing, and not worry so much about where you are on screen or what you know, being in a particular position on screen or whatever. I mean, of course, as you play the game and you learn where enemies are going to come from the next or where the next batch or the next large enemy is going to spawn, since a lot of them, you know, you can kind of see where enemies are coming from because you see shadows underneath the ground as they're coming on screen or you see large enemies kind of come up from behind you or underneath and then sort of come up to your level. So you can see a lot of that happen, but... But it was refreshing. You don't have to worry about routing. Yeah, it's less about routing. Yeah, I know. Oh, these enemies are going to be over here, so I got to dart to the left. Or uh, there's going to be a group of enemies coming over here, so I got to move up and uh, over slightly, so I can start taking them all on. Y you kind of get that organically. It's not like you're planning a route. You just sort of start to build that muscle memory. But it's much more about those aggressive, in-your-face tactics. Uh, getting in and point blanking, taking out enemies as they're coming on screen before they even have the opportunity to attack. Uh, and then along with that, getting as many chips as you can so that when you do take damage, you're regenerating health. And so that when you do, you have to use a bomb, you know, you can, you can get some of that back too. This is not a game where you can panic bomb necessarily because there's a little bit of a delay between when you hit the bomb and when it's effective. Um, so you have to be a little bit more intentional with your bombs, I would say, which is, as you said, you know, one of the reasons why you maybe use a bomb during the boss to take their health down really quickly so that you can just sort of dispatch them. But yeah, it was really refreshing to have a game that I didn't feel like I had to memorize, but it gave me that feeling that I... It's like an updated version of that feeling that I had as a kid when I would walk up to a cabinet, throw in a quarter, and start, you know, be assaulted by enemies shooting bullets at me. The pace of the action is realistically what, let's say, eight-year-old me would have felt about a game like R-Type, or, uh, you know, 12-year-old me would have thought about Raiden, for example, um, or that kind of a thing. Those games aren't super fast or the bullets aren't coming at you in huge waves and all of that. But at that age, before you really have that perception of what it is, or, or before you understand 
what the reality of it is. You sort of have this perception of, wow, there's all these bullets and they're coming at you so fast. And, you know, it's danger, danger, danger. And that's what this game is in reality. Uh, and so it sort of takes that feeling that I got from playing some of these old games as a kid and updates it to a modern context where it gives you that experience in full. Um, and so I really kind of enjoyed that approach where, you know, you're bumping into enemies, so you're not taking damage, and you're just getting in their face and and unloading on stuff. Uh, and, and, you know, it's all about trying to survive. And yeah, the scoring elements are there, and there's enough complexity to, I think, you know, give you reason to to dig into it a little bit more. But for me, this was just a fun experience of getting in and just literally getting to jump in, blow stuff up and have an adrenaline ride for an hour, hour and a half during a stream and yeah. just being able to really kind of have that rush. Yeah. It's, it's just as I would joke and call the Michael Bay simulator. <laughs> it's the FPG equivalent of a popcorn flick, right? Kind of. Yeah. <clears throat> you get your five minutes and you feel like you've gotten something and enjoyment out of it. There and you've the nice part about it is because it allows you to keep upgrading your ship using the thing, items you get from after each run. It gives you that nice level of progression. I think that was very well done. Yeah. So definitely grab it if you can find it on Steam and on sale and give it a shot because you may end up liking it. So we've talked about what we thought about the game. Let's go to some of the community thoughts about this game. And our first one comes from Zoido. He says, cool, got it on Steam. Haven't played it too much yet. So that's a good opportunity for me to take a closer look. I'm in. Later post, did a few runs during the last days. I played mostly for survival and kept the rank moderate in later stages. So I got it clear and very hard for the first time yesterday. Also played the extra genocide mode. It's unlocked when you finish the game on very hard and has five loops. Made it to stage one mid-boss of the third loop, 113-31. This is a lot of fun. Later post, responding to at Smackafader. Thanks and welcome to the club. Smiley. Good job so far. Keep pushing. And then he gives a little muscle emoji. <laughs> what? And later on, somebody named Metalfro says, Congrats on the clear. <laughs> I reached stage five of the third loop on Genocide Extra yesterday. Still trying to improve in Genocide Hard. Stage one four is the best I could do. Later post, I'm still figuring out what's good for scoring. At the moment, I try and play stages one through three on a high rank, but not too high so that I can still dodge and don't get hit too much so I can keep my metal chain. In stage four... I try to keep the rank moderate for the same reason. In stage 5, my rank and metal chain usually drop to the speed trap section, so I try and keep it up as good as possible and build it up for the boss battles again. In stage 6, I try a full-on rank and point-blank all enemies. I also try to destroy the different parts from all the bosses and the bigger enemies to get the most medals and bonus points. But this becomes a lot more difficult the stronger weapons get because they literally nuke them right away. Later, post-responding to... Uh, post made by Dingo, I felt the same way. I bought it on sale, played a few runs, and thought it's nice, but wasn't hooked. 
now I'm digging more into the game, I'm having lots of fun. And yeah, that's definitely, again, echoes this statement. Find it cheaply on sale and give the game a chance. You may just like it. All right, later post. Very hard is like grab a gun and wreck everything. It becomes easier the better weapons are. And extra genocide is like let's see how far your best weapons can get you. But genocide hard seems to be the actual game with default ships and no further options. From what I understand, the blue gems are for upgrading your shield. In Genocide Hard, I tried to play the first stage on even rank because your shield upgrades faster and you get more blue gems. And progress is easier with more shield points, of course. In stage 2, I start by collecting more green items to lower my rank steadily throughout the stage and try and stay on very low rank as far as I can from stage 3 on. Final thoughts? <clears throat> Steel Vampire is a lot of fun. I bought it a while back and checked out for a few runs, but I liked it, but wasn't overly excited for it. But when I came back in April, I learned how the game works and had a lot of fun. I think I found one of my favorite Shmup Club games for 2020 already. There's going to be a lot going on screen, lots of explosions and screen shaking. That Michael Bay effect. Sometimes it seems that the game is not too much fun about dodging, but a lot more about shooting. The left and right scrolling of the screen is sometimes a bit frustrating as you're running bullets or enemies you couldn't see because they were off screen and things can get a bit, a bit too fast and hectic. So you lose your rank and shield and have to recover. But the easier the mode loops are very forgiving and let you recover fastly. If you lose, the metal chain is pretty annoying anyway. Yeah, this is one of those games, again, that we mentioned that does not suffer from Gradius Syndrome. And I'm very thankful for it. For sure. Uh, so big thanks to Zoido for his participation for the month. Um, Saturday Development jumped in and said, looks good, I'm in, uh, but then didn't post any further in the in the thread, although he did participate in some discussion on the in the Discord. Uh, he and uh, Zoido and I were kind of going back and forth a little bit during the course of the month. Um, uh, so anyway, yeah, uh, as you as we go along, try to at least throw a score in and maybe give us some thoughts on the game a little bit so we can uh, share them on the podcast. Uh, and then Smackificator, who has been coming to a lot of my streams, uh, came in with his usual greeting of, Greetings, Earth Humans! I'm joining in this month officially for the first time. I've been watching shmup players on Twitch for a long time and watching the shmup club plays by Fro for several months. Usually I don't have a chance of getting a decent score, but Steel Vampire is a different beast. There's a decent chance I can compete. Here's my score so far. Game on. And then later in the thread he updates uh, with a post uh, saying, Zoido, you the man. Nice scoring there. <laughs> <clears throat> Our next thoughts are from Dingo. Well, I failed miserably at playing Gyaris. A few failed runs and then Border Down showed up and stole my attention and dedication entirely. Well, it is Border Down. You're forgiven. <laughs> but this is an interesting one. I actually bought Steel Vampire right after it came out on Steam and it had high hopes but really wasn't feeling it for some reason or another and stopped playing after a couple of hours. Perhaps this would be a good opportunity to go back and see if I feel any different. Between you having here and Imperium Mark's Top 25 list, I feel perhaps it deserves another look. And again, it doesn't make a very strong first impression. It's only when you start playing the game that you 
understand. There, I, I don't would never ever propose to call it a hidden gem, but <laughs> it's definitely something that more people should try out. Yeah, and I mean, it took me a little while to really understand the flow of the game and what it wanted from me, how I was supposed to play it. You know, I was trying to play it like a traditional shmup, hang back toward the back of the screen and shoot the enemies and all that. And what I found was because of the zoomed in view and, you know, the ship's hitboxes not quite being as obvious <clears throat> as perhaps they should be, uh, I found that I was struggling in the tutorial and it was only when I started to rush right up to the top of the screen and just start hammering away at stuff that I realized, oh, I'm supposed to play this game more aggressively. And that's when I started, it started to click and sort of the light bulb went off in my head like, okay, I think I understand this at some level. Let's see what we can do here. And then when I, once I got, kind of got past that initial hump and I got through the tutorial and then got into stage one, then I started to kind of, it started to click with me. So yeah, I understand that. And I would, I would definitely say it deserves another look. So, uh, we've got some high scores here to share. Uh, Zoido definitely came in big like he usually does and, uh, had the top score on very hard, uh, with his clear, he had 79,611,044 points. I got my clear on very hard and ended up with 23,965,100 965,133 points. And then Smackificator posted his uh, very hard score that he had, which was 8,371,679 points. And so thank you everyone who participated there. Uh, Genocide Hard, Zoido is the only one who posted a score. I played that several times but i must have forgotten to uh throw a score up in the thread so he ended up with a uh, score of nine million one hundred thirteen thousand eight hundred forty four points and i i think he said that he got to one four was as far as he got uh maybe the boss in one four on genocide hard in extra genocide he did say that he reached i think the third or fourth loop in that and had uh, 177,910,018 points. Meanwhile, I was uh, stuck back in, uh, I think, 1-3 or 1-4 on Extra Genocide. And so I ended up with 33,931,130 points. I was kind of trying a little bit more for score on that, but very much <laughs> feeling the burn, so to speak, of the uh, uh, the rank. Uh, and then in the score attack, uh, I actually did pretty well on stage one. I ended up with 3,553,107. Uh, and then Zoido's stage one score attack was 1,755,224. And again, he posted a stage two score attack. I did score attack for stages one through six and took photos of him, but I just forgot to post the rest. So he had 2,479,649 points in stage two. Uh, so thank you to everyone who participated and um, for all the score submissions during the course of the month. Again, thank you for everyone who participated and submitted scores as well. 
So, final thoughts for this. I definitely say, again, I a Potato could probably run Steel Vampire, so wait for it to hit sale on Steam, pick it up, and you might just end up liking it. Yeah, I mean, it's... I don't... You know, it's not a game that I'm going to guarantee you're going to spend a lot of time in, but I think it's a game that if you put the time in and dig in a little bit, you can find some fun with it. And this will be a nice uh, a nice palate cleanser after something that's a little bit more meticulous. Something like a Ketsui or, you know, something that's going to require a lot more precision play and routing and things like that. This is one of those games that you can dive in and I just want to blow stuff up, but there's also those other elements like the scoring and the meddling and, you know, the collecting of the weapons and kind of constantly upping your arsenal and things like that, uh, that you can sort of get into and have some fun with. But then as we kind of discussed during the course of the month, once you, once you get a clear on very hard, which I think is very doable, especially once you start to build up really powerful weapons that decimates stuff, especially when you start to employ the focus shot, which is a lot more powerful and devastating most of the time. Very hard is a, is a doable clear. I mean, I cleared it within uh, three or four days of starting the game. So put in a little bit of time, you can get that clear, and then you'll unlock Genocide Hard. And it almost feels like that's where the real game opens up, where you have these pre-built configurations and you're tossed into this game with the same enemies and the same layouts and everything, but it's harder and you don't get to make those choices anymore. It's, this is what you have to work with, make it work. Uh, and so... It, it gives you two different approaches to the same game. And so there's a lot of flexibility there. You can play it how you want it. You know, do it on very hard, which is sort of a cheeky way of of giving you an easy mode by calling it very hard and then calling your other modes genocide hard and genocide extra and then whatever MHN hard uh, actually is. But it gives you a lot of flexibility and a lot of different ways to kind of approach it. And so I think there's going to be, I'm not going to say something for everyone, but there's certainly going to be enough variety to give a wider audience something in here that they can latch onto. All right. Speaking of stuff on latching into, we are latching on to record this. We've already latched on to our game for May, which is the fantasy zone. This has been a title which I have seen and played just briefly for five or ten minutes several times. So I'm excited to dive in and try out the different versions. I am going to be primarily playing on the Mister, so I can cycle through most of these versions and sort of get an idea of the differences. And then I'll probably fire up either the Switch version or the Saturn version to really see if, how, how I can dive into the arcade. And having, I mean, I haven't started whistling the tunes on there, but so far <laughs> it's been great to see see all of the differences. And I really like the PC Engine version, despite the sort of limited graphics on there and the limited sound for what what it should be for a title on the PC Engine. And the Sega Master System 
it's definitely interesting on there. It's as each is, but the, I have to say the one that surprised me the most so far has to be the Famicom version, the Sunsoft version for the family because that does stuff that it's quite impressive for the Nintendo. For having sure. a lot of those big big sprites on there, nothing, and it doesn't it, like the, the the actual Tangen version for the Nintendo NES or Nintendo Entertainment System. It just really draws to a crawl when the bosses explode hmm. and you get those money sacks. Oh my gosh, that's just such a slow down. But playing on everything super smooth on there. So once again, Sunsoft pulls it off. But I'll look to discussing that more in detail as we get into recording in June. Yep. And speaking of June, uh, in June 2020, we are going to be doing our very first crossover with the Playcast and the regular community playthrough. So we are going to be combining playthroughs for the month of June, and we're going to be doing something that we would consider shmup adjacent. One of the more prolific shmup developers in the 90s, Psycho, they did a collaboration with uh, Capcom, and they produced the game Cannon Spike, also known as Gun Spike in Japan. And this is a Dreamcast game that is sort of a proto-twin-stick shooter type of a thing, but without the twin sticks, and kind of running around in an arena and shooting different enemies, a combination of shooting and melee attacks, and uh, different things, and it's got some characters from various Capcom franchises over time. So, you know, it's a, it's an interesting crossover with, you know, you got Mega Man and you've got uh, Cammy from the Street Fighter games and you've got Arthur from the uh, Makaimura Ghouls and Ghosts, Ghosts and Goblins series and, and some different characters in there that are kind of fun to run around and play with. Uh, and so that'll be an interesting interesting deal with uh, both audiences getting together and both groups kind of coming together for one single playthrough. So we won't have a regular episode of Shoot the Core cast for that. It'll be a joint episode. Um, but uh, for those that aren't subscribed to the Playcast feed, uh, I'm going to try and get a copy of that episode that we can upload and put into our feed as well. Excellent. All right. So like to give some shout-outs, a shout-out for everybody who wrote in for the question of the month, as well as everyone who joined us on the playthrough. And, of course, everyone who's listening to this right now, we can't do it without you. I'd also like to thank Sarah Flash of Studio Mudprint slash Bullet Heaven for the logo. I'd like to thank Kogasu for the intro and outro music. Everybody from RF Generation and the Playcast crew. Everyone who's working diligently to finish the 2019-2020 RF Gen Beat Every Nin License Nintendo Game Challenge. I'd like to thank Metalfro for streaming the Shmup Game of the Month and giving us some entertainment in, in this, our time of need here. Yes, and unlike you, uh, while I'm streaming, I am whistling the Fantasy Zone tunes. <laughs> so uh, you get a little bonus... Uh, bonus fantasy zone music <laughs> when you watch my streams like i just see a, it's like a time life collection the best of metal fro you've got metal fro whistling <laughs> the fantasy zone stream <laughs> and stay, stay next as he tries to do uh, the soundtrack to ken spike on a flute 
Oh, jeez. Oh, there you go. Now, now, just wait until you get my uh, my whistling chorus version of uh, the final countdown. Oh, jeez. No. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to pay me for that one. I'm not paying you on Bandcamp for that one. Oh. <laughs> uh. Oh, well, if you'd like to connect with the podcast, make sure you follow the uh, Twitter account at ShootCoreCast, or you can follow me directly at GameboyGuru. Um, as mentioned with the Bullet Heaven uh, d- logo design that we got, uh, we do have podcast t-shirts. So uh, if you're interested in repping the podcast, uh, go to RedBubble.com and search for Shoot the Corecast and, and find a t-shirt there that uh, you can pick up for yourself or as a gift for a loved one. Uh, Make sure you check out rfgeneration.com and come join the forums and join us in a future Shmup Club playthrough. Uh, Also, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your preferred platform. We are on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. And of course, you can always get the episodes on rfgeneration.com and the announcement uh, does go up on the front page Uh, when the podcast episode is released. Uh, Join us in the RF Generation Discord channel and check out the dedicated Shoot the Corecast topic where you can discuss the podcast, uh, post screenshots, and make, you know, have discussion about the Shmup Club Game of the Month and Shoot'em Ups in general because we like to uh, occasionally drop videos in there of different reviews or, you know, Shmup-related video topics and things. Uh, and then follow me on Twitch uh, to get notifications of new streams. I am at twitch.tv slash guru game boy. Anything else we need to touch on before we finish up? No, I believe that's it. Alrighty. Well, thank you so much for listening. Stay safe out there and we will see you next month. <laughs>